Good morning, everybody. Welcome to The Surge. Uh, we are doing one of my favorite movie series that we do every year. And basically the idea is this. We take some film uh, that have been popular or critically acclaimed or that have been made some noise in, in uh, the culture for the last year. And we try to take a look at the film, to look at the film as a piece of art, but also to look at the film through the lens of uh, the idea of engaging this as a community of faith. And it's really interesting because Jesus himself did this in the New Testament. He didn't just talk about uh, philosophical, metaphysical things, although he certainly did some of that. He didn't just give life advice. He certainly did that. One of his primary means of teaching was through story. We call them parables. <laughs> and what happens is as we take a look at some of the movies and some of the things that are true about movies, uh, sometimes the movie is not explicitly a Christian film, but there is imagery, there is truth, there are things that are there that can almost take on the nature of a parable for us. And so it can be a very powerful connection point and a really interesting uh, thing to talk about that we already have a context for a shared conversation for something really interesting. And so Yesterday itself is not specifically a Christian movie, but I think there are some really interesting things in the movie itself that seem to me to be true, that seem to me to be really scriptural, and that make it a really interesting intersection with us and with a life of faith. The first one is this. The movie, uh, the setup of the movie is there's a singer-songwriter named Jack. And Jack is uh, pretty talented. He's got a nice voice. He's actually a decent guitar player. But he just hasn't hit. He's trying to do his thing, but he's got six people showing up to his gigs. And this is weirdly common. I mean, the, the bar between Jack and the guy on <laughs> The Tonight Show later this week is sometimes smaller than we think it should be, right? I mean, there's some people that are ridiculously talented that for whatever reason did not make it to fame and fortune in, in the music industry. And so Jack is at the place where it's like, this is a lot of time, this is a lot of effort. He's put a lot of money into this, and he's all done. He's just burned out. Nobody is responding to the songs that he's written. He's got six people in a tent at a festival, and he's just, he's done. He's burnt, and so he's going to quit. So this girl that's been with him from the beginning is like, no, no, you can't quit, you can't quit. You've got to do this. Miracles can still happen. And then something amazing happens. He's, he's on his way home on his bike. He gets hit by a bus. And when he wakes up, he's the only one in the world that remembers the Beatles. <laughs> and so singer-songwriter, he sees an opportunity, and there's this really interesting thing happens as he goes on this journey of kind of remembering the songs and reintroducing these songs to the world. But the first, the first thing is this, that's the intersection between the movie and us, and it's this. The message that we have is not our own. And not only is it not our own, but we can't get there by ourselves. We're very much Jack when it comes to the idea of living a good life, of living a life that's really full, that's really full of joy, that's hitting on all cylinders. We're just kind of creeping around the edges and we're not ever really connecting. And the gospel gives us a means of finally stepping into that place of power that God has given us. Ephesians 2, 2 8 says it this way. It says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And guess what? This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. <laughs> and there's a very real sense 
that the gospel and the goodness that we get to participate in in the gospel, it's not our fault. And this is not just salvation and redemption that's not our fault, but it's calling. It's good things that come. It's the true things that we say. It's the interesting thing that Christianity can speak over this culture, over our community, over our families, over our world. And it doesn't come by striving. It doesn't come by effort. It doesn't come by hanging on with both hands and never letting go. It doesn't come through persistence or pursuing your passion or any of the positive speak that we like to surround ourselves with. Things aren't bad, but this isn't by striving. True grace comes and shines out only because of this. It's the gift of God. And it's this amazing thing that we get to participate in, the gospel, the goodness that God brings us. But it's not ours, fundamentally. We didn't cook it up ourselves. We're actually borrowing it from another source. So what I want to do is I want to look at a couple of more clips, and let's talk about the movie, let's talk about uh, a faith community, and the next one is coming up here. This is called Let It Be. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary. Good start, though. Very pretty. Oh, Terry, well, come in, love. Oh, it's Terry. Oh, hello. Terry. Hey. Terry. Hey. 
Jack's just playing us a new song. Oh, really? I thought, I thought he'd given up. Yeah, no, well, he's got some new songs. What's this one called? Uh, leave It Be. Let It Be. Oh, excellent. Well, rock on, Jack. Oh, it's not very rocky, but... <clears throat> when I find myself in times of trouble... It's like a drink, Terry. Dad. Well, I'd already heard that bit. Sorry, Jack. Your dad's a rude man. You'll get a beer, please, Jake. Excellent. Right. Ah. Carry on, Jacko. I'll be back. Can I get it in a glass? <clears throat> what, is everyone else home? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Hurry it up, darling. You're losing the crowd. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Jack. That's me. Sorry. My fault. Oh, Smarge. Oh. Hello, love. I'm just at uh, Jed and Sheila's house listening to Jack's new song, Let Him Be. Let It Be. Let It Be. And the, well, apparently he's he started up again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. I know. Yeah, I know. I know. What do you know? Listen, I'll, I'll, I'll call you back when it's over, all right? Oh, all right, then. Yeah, OK. Carry on broadcasting, young man. Maybe start after the first bit. I've heard it three times it's now. It's OK, I'm going to go from the top. Please yourself, son. Then maybe we can have summer song. We're the first people on Earth to hear this song. Is it like watching Da Vinci paint the Mona Lisa right in front of your bloody eyes? Can you not just be quiet for a single second? Oh, that would be Marge. Oh, she's oh, she nice. going to come well, round to so Oh, yeah. Yes. If you haven't seen this movie yet, do yourself a favor, watch it. It's hilarious. It might be the most charming film since Isle of Dogs. It, it's a, just a great thing. And one of the things that happens in the movie over and over and over and over is this idea of interruption, as evidenced by <laughs> Let It Be, that they're not ever going to let it be because of the constant <laughs> phone calls and the stuff that's going on. But in the movie itself, it's very much characterized from interruptions. Like the dreams of Joseph in Genesis, it's, it's from interruption to interruption to interruption. And it's really what drives the plot. So just to, just to run it down a little bit, in the movie, Jack, as we saw, very much interrupted by being you know, hit by a bus. That's kind of an unexpected interruption. And then there's, he's interrupted by this discovery that he remembers what other people don't. The songs of the Beatles. He's later interrupted by a small studio for his first recording. He just doesn't see this coming. He's, he's not expecting this. He's actually interrupted in this lovely scene uh, by Ed Sheeran. And if you don't know who Ed Sheeran is, until U2 goes on uh, tour again next year, Ed Sheeran is actually the biggest musician in the world right now in terms of the amount of money and the amount of people he's drawing to his tour. He actually plays a, a large role in the film where he's a great sport. He actually comes to his house and said, hey, I need somebody to open for me in Russia. My guy uh, pooped out on me. Can you come and sing, you know, in front of the biggest tour in the world? He's like, sure, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll come do that. And he just has a good sport. But he's interrupted by this idea of suddenly being catapulted into this uh, cycle of meteoric success. He actually has the girl that we saw in the first scene her, in the film. Her name is Ellie. Uh, and she's loved him forever, and it's obvious, and he's just clueless because, you know, he's a guy. And he actually has a moment of reconnection with her, and there's this really poignant scene where 
he's constantly interrupted as he's trying to talk to her and tell her how he feels by the pull of his newfound fame and success. We've got to get back to LA. We've got to get back to the marketing meeting of meetings. We've got to get through all this stuff. And he's interrupted away from the relationship that he's finally discovering he wants. Um, in, the, in the film, and we'll see uh, a scene of this a bit later, but he actually interrupts John Lennon, who in the film is still alive, who's an old man. He's living out on a beach house, and he has this wonderful interaction with him uh, that they go back and forth. And he interrupts his own success and his own kind of coming out into fame and into worldwide notoriety for the girl. (laughs) So there's this interruption, 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 and it very much drives the film. And what's interesting about this is that if you look at scripture and this, I could not get away from this idea, God loves to interrupt us. And if you think about the great stories of scripture, think about Moses minding his own business as a shepherd. You know, he used to be a prince of Egypt. He kind of, that didn't work out. He, he's out in the wilderness. He's, he's walking around. He's a shepherd. He's married. He's got a thing going on. And then all of a sudden, there's a bush that's on fire, but it's not burning up. And there's a voice that comes out of the bush and completely changes the trajectory of his life. But it was very much an, interrupted, an interruption. Joshua's got plans for the conquest of Israel. He goes in. There's Jericho. It's this huge walled city. It's a problem. And the day before he goes into battle, he's interrupted by the captain of the Lord's host, a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ who interrupts him and who talks to him and, uh, and, and pushes him a different direction. Prophet Daniel from the Old Testament was a kid, as a very talented kid. He was interrupted when they came and sacked his hometown of Jerusalem and carried him away into captivity, right? Took him to Babylon. He wasn't expecting that. Mary and Joseph had their engagement plans absolutely clobbered by the incarnation and the coming of Jesus. Paul got interrupted on the road to Damascus, got knocked off of his preferred mode of transportation and saw a bright light, went blind for a few days while God was able to talk to him, but interrupted his life, interrupted what he was doing. God further interrupted Paul in a dream when he was on the road to Macedonia and he says, no, no, you're going the wrong way. I want you to go west and not east. And he interrupted Paul and his plans to redirect him and to point him in another direction. And time after time after time after time after time, we see people in scripture, they've got a plan. They're working their plan. They're doing the very best that they can. And all of a sudden God stops them, interrupts them, hits them with a bus as it were, and, and points them in another direction. And the biggest interruption of all was Jesus himself and the life of Christ. John 7, 8 says it this way. (laughs) You go up to the feast. I am not going up to this feast for my time has not yet fully come. And the fullness of time that he's talking about is the event of the cross, the event of the resurrection. Nobody but Christ saw the cross coming. It was a devastating interruption in the history of the world and in the history of the lives of the disciples. They found their guy. (laughs) You know, this is our guy, Messiah. He's going to bring this new thing coming around. And all of a sudden, it gets thrown off the rails completely (laughs) by the cross. And even more so, the resurrection took everyone by surprise. 
interrupted <laughs> their, their hopelessness, their helplessness, the idea that, wow, that was a good ride. Now it's all done, and what do we do now? And all of a sudden, God interrupt, interrupts them and redirects them again. Interruption. So here's the move. First, acknowledge that the gospel is not ours. It's not by striving that we get there. It's by plugging into what God is doing. It's by borrowing the message and sharing the wonderful message that, that he has. The second thing is this, allow room for interruption. Maybe even prepare for it, right? See, the, the wonderful thing about, about how God created us to be with our ability to think and to reason, to learn from other people's mistakes and situations is this, we have the amazing ability, amazing ability to decide in advance how we're gonna respond to a given situation. The Navy SEALs call it a preconditioned reflex, <laughs> right? You know, and it's a thing where when this happens, I'm gonna do this. When this happens, I'm gonna do this. And so just in your mind right now, in your heart right now, understand that there's gonna be a time in your life when God is gonna absolutely spin you like a top. Something's gonna happen, it's gonna throw off your bearings or something amazing is gonna happen that you did not see coming. And just right now decide, I'm gonna see it, <laughs> I'm gonna recognize it, and I'm gonna push all the chips in on the table. I'm going all in. When God decides to interrupt me, I'm gonna say, yep, I see this is you and I am gonna participate in what you're doing and I promise you, you will not regret it. It's gonna be a great ride. <laughs> so the message is not our own. Interruption is a key and vibrant piece. And let's look at the last thing uh, following this video clip here. Bad. Let us slip away. Try to get her back. You want a good life? It's not complicated. Tell the girl you love that you love her. And tell the truth to everyone whenever you can. Can I give you a hug? What? So good to see you. How old are you? 78. Fantastic. You made it to 78. Oh, very strange, man. Go ahead. You need serious psychiatric help. Someone I'd like to introduce you to, if we could just switch on the backstage camera. And that's why tonight I asked her if I could come on and play, because I want to tell her and you what I've done. Darling Ellie, I've been untrue. All the songs I've sung tonight were really written and performed by four men called John Lennon, Paul McCartney, George Harrison and Ringo Starr. The Beatles. They were the real geniuses. Me, I'm just the sort of go-between to, well, get their astonishing stuff into the world. 
I, I, I passed her amazing work off as my own, so I could look like I was amazing too. I want you all to know that I'm not going to take any money for this work that isn't mine. So you can have all the songs for free. Rocky, do it. Right, here goes. They're being released for free online now. And I'd love to not take any more praise for it. So, um... I'm so sorry. And while I'm at it, there's one other thing to say as well, because... I've been a fool twice over. And I want to thank Ellie for her love. And Ellie. Elle. I love you. I always have. Always. Desmond has a barrow in the marketplace. Molly is a singer with a band. Desmond says to Molly, girl, I like your face. And Molly says this as she takes him by the hand. So yesterday ends with this really heartwarming and satisfying ending where Jack comes clean <laughs> and he's able to reconnect and recapture uh, the love of Ellie, this girl that, that he loves. And, and it, it, it comes full circle. The interruption with Lennon redirects him into this wonderful place. Now, from our perspective for the gospel, Jesus' word to us is, is really simple. It's, uh, it's love God and, and love people. And it's really interesting because Lennon's advice is not horribly far away from that. I mean, his advice is, listen, tell the girl, you want to be happy in your life? It's not hard. Tell the girl that you love that you love her and speak the truth whenever you can. 
And, and when you think about it, that's not terrible advice. And if you take a step back, you know, like, not necessarily to love the girl, but if we express love to the people that are near us, if we really find a way to connect with them, to serve them, to love them, to cherish them in practical ways, and if we commit our lives to a kind of integrity that lets us live without shadow, that lets us live in the light, that lets us live in a way that we can hold our head up high and speak the truth and, and commit to that kind of thing, that really is a wonderful and gospel-centered approach to what God wants for us as we walk around on this earth. It's not bad advice at all. <laughs> Micah 6, 8 says it this way. And we'll wrap up here. He says this, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. <laughs> In some versions, it actually translates kindness as mercy. Uh, but e each one of these pieces we see in the movie yesterday, and we walk humbly. Why? Because the message isn't our own. We didn't earn it. Like our songwriter here in the movie, we didn't write the song. We just share it. So the gospel lets us be <laughs> amazing. We have this amazing message. But we can do that completely without pride or without being puffed up about it or without being all about us because it's not about us. It's this gift that was given to us and this idea is very cool. So we can actually be something amazing. We can step into this river of adventure, of joy, of expression, and yet we can still be humble because it's not our own. <laughs> the gospel just really bounds us in some, some incredible ways. So walk humbly. Uh, love justice to act justly. And this, I think, gets to Lennon's point of speaking the truth whenever possible, ultimately to let integrity really matter. Lennon's advice was good. Speak the truth. Express love. Even when, even when, it costs you something. Even when people don't necessarily want to hear it. <laughs> Even when it's unpopular. Look, the truth in yesterday when he makes the reveal at the concert, it was a shock to the system. It was a shock to the people that were loving what he was doing. It was a shock to the record company who went, oop, all of our profits just evaporated. And, and when we tell the truth in this sort of way, it will be a shock to us too. But the result is an unbelievably cool and good and great outcome and it's very full of joy justice when it's done will ultimately course correct us in a way that has a great result the last thing is this to love mercy to love kindness and when mercy shines <laughs> again when mercy shines it always comes as a surprise mercy isn't mercy if it's expected right we don't expect mercy we expect to get hammered right we expect to get clobbered but the surprise is the interruption of something different. We're expecting to receive something bad, but then we get something good instead. And that is the heart of mercy. As Jack realizes that what he really wants, the girl Ellie, is what has been there all along, he experiences this deeply because he has messed it up in every way he can mess it up. He's ignored her for years. He's friended her, put her in the friend zone for years. He kind of ditched her for fame and fortune in this dream that he had. And all along, he's done everything wrong. And yet, he experiences the mercy of capturing this relationship that he really deserves to lose. 
And we step into this as well. C.S. Lewis has this great scene in the, in the book called The Great Divorce. And it's where these people, people can, are in hell, but they don't have to stay in hell. They can actually go visit heaven if they want to. So, so they have a bus. And so there's a bus that takes people from hell to heaven and they can stay if they want to. And most people get on the bus and go back to hell because they don't want to stay. But there's this great interaction of one of the visitors who's saying, I just want to get my just desserts. I just want to get what I deserve. And an angel is speaking to him and says, oh no, 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 no. It's not that bad. It's not, it's not terrible like you're describing. You won't get what you deserve at all, right? You, you're going to get something good instead if you, if you decide to stay. <laughs> so there's this idea of mercy that we don't get what we deserve, that it's an interruption of joy, an interruption of forgiveness. So tying the movie to our expression and experience of the gospel, when we look to shine out the gospel in joy, remember that we didn't earn it, walk humbly. As we look to speak the truth, even when it is hard, as we look to correct things around us, including in our own lives, we trust God to balance us in justice. And we love mercy. Why? Because God has been so merciful to us. It's very easy for us to center up into that place and to pay it forward and to give grace to other people, to walk humbly, to love justice, to love kindness and mercy in the movie yesterday. Let's pray.